regardless of our circumstances, we are to boast in our position that the gospel has brought us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to the righteousness that we wear, not because of ourselves, but because of Him. We boast because we have resources through the gospel to face our trials. Because when we are facing difficult times, we're not alone. see fit. Reach inside of us and mold us and shape us. Cast away the things which are sin, our transgression. Melt those things away once again by the power of the cross and draw us close to your side. We submit ourselves unto you and thank you for this. In Jesus' precious name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. James and chapter 1. We're going to do our memory verse real quick. Today's sermon kept in perspective. Just got a couple verses we're going to do. Let's all read this together nice and loud. We'll just do it once this morning. We've been doing it twice. Let's do it once nice and loud. James 2.26 For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Our verse is in focus this morning. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fall away, fade away, excuse me, in the midst of his pursuits. I'm going to reread what we read today as responsive reading. As he was setting out on a journey, man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Mark adds this, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This morning, this teaching comes to you and I from a cultural perspective that's counter to the cultural perspective that we are taught today. The very structure of culture that we live in teaches us that more money is better. Teaches us that Uh, More money equals greater security. But that is not the economy of heaven. It's not the economy of heaven. If you and I continue to live life that way, we will 
continue to try to gain some sort of clout with God, but we know in our heart of hearts that will do nothing for us. James is going to present us today with two entirely different economic circumstances. Two completely different economic circumstances. And he's going to call us to a greater understanding of those circumstances regardless from which end we view them. Regardless from which end we find ourselves this morning. Regardless which end he is going to teach us about our experience with regard to spiritual growth through trials. We must make sure, though, that in these sermons we don't separate uh, each sermon from the last one. Now, I always try to, uh, to do sermons apart from the other sermons, so that if someone comes here this week, they don't need to know what happened last week to know what we're dealing with this week. And at the same time, we have to remember that it is part of a grand story, and it finds its place in the context. So remember that we have not yet abandoned the idea of trials. James is still sticking to this main point he has in chapter 1. Trials have not gone out the window. Everything we will read this morning has to do with trials. So we've got to make sure that we keep our perspective as a whole. He hasn't changed gears. He's teaching us about how to face trials and tests of faith. This passage looks at two great hindrances in our joy in trials. So we find in this passage two more of James's imperatives. Remember, I told you there were 58 in the book total. We have two more today. For you and I, depending on our circumstances, we are going to do one or the other. But though the spectrum is broad for us, we need to ask God for help for us to develop a new perspective of our circumstances. No matter where we are, no matter what we've come from, no matter what our background, no matter what our bank account, we need to ask God to open our eyes this morning. So the rich young ruler in the verses that we read, we all read it together and I just read the account from Mark to everyone, he has a serious problem. He has wealth, amen? We know he has it. Scripture tells us that he has great possessions. He is established financially. But notice his question. He wanted to be established eternally. He wanted something that would reach beyond the temporal. That's what he's looking for. He has a serious problem. His question is how to secure eternal life. And it seems as though Jesus takes an eternal question and brings its focus down into the temporal, but that's not it at all. Jesus is trying to get this young man to look with eternal eyes on his situation. He draws him to look at particular circumstances from an eternal perspective. Jesus is teaching him of the economy of heaven. Three points to this sermon we're going to get from these few verses this morning, and just three, kept in perspective. Your lack of wealth gives you no privilege with regard to spiritual maturity. Point number two, your abundance of wealth gives you no privilege with regard to spiritual growth. And point number three, no matter our circumstances, no matter what our circumstances are, this is important, we are called to boast in the big picture of our circumstances from an eternal perspective. 
So your lack of wealth adds nothing to you. Your abundance of wealth adds nothing to you. We're talking about trials here. We're talking about maturity. And no matter our circumstances, we are called to boast in the big picture of our circumstances from an eternal perspective. Point number one, your lack of wealth gives you no privilege with regard to spiritual maturity. We live in a culture today that thrives and teaches us to declare, to accept, to identify with some sort of victim status. There are stories of struggles with addiction, struggles with being abused, uh, and, and they're absolutely heartbreaking, every single one of them. There's not one of us that would have a person sitting before us this morning that talks about their history, shares the abuses that they've been through, shares their struggle with addiction, their struggle with, with uh, certain sins, and our hearts are not broken for. When you tell a person the road that you've been on, it can be very, very heartbreaking. And I've heard stories, and you have too, that could break our hearts. And they're not necessarily just stories from being a pastor. We've all heard these stories. We've read these stories. They're all over the place. They're part of a person's testimony. Stories of abuse and neglect and of shame. My point is not to lessen the weight of these things. And like I said before, these things are not from my personal conversations. They're from events, media available to all of us. My point is that society has now reached a point where these things are used to gain both sympathy and status. They're used to gain both sympathy and status. So I myself no longer share the hurtful parts of my testimony, my past, though I do identify with those things. I'm no victim. What happened, happened, and God used every single point from my life, every single one of these things that I faced, to make me who I am today. No matter what that is, I know that God used these things. That's really the point today. God wants us to have a changed view of life and to keep viewing life through that lens in our circumstances. But nevertheless, there is a temptation for all of us If you're not tempted with this this morning, it will be here. There's a temptation for all of us and a luring for many of us to claim victim status. One claim to victimhood is poverty. This is the only victim status we're going to look at this morning because it's the only one in the passage. People tell stories of where their lack has led them. There's a temptation in hard to use these circumstances to gain some sort of leverage from those around us. Say, well, I'm broke. Look what I don't have. The greatest example of people trying to use this that I've seen in recent days is the GoFundMe page, which I would say nothing bad about the, the platform itself, but some of the people that are using it are criminals, and they're doing it wrongly, and they're trying to get money for ridiculous things. It is no longer the help that it once was, and that is what it originally was supposed to be. Now people are crying victimhood for all kinds of different things. And the message is this. Tell the world your problems and let them take care of your problems for you. Tell the world of the things that you lack and allow someone else to get it for you. And there's been a lot of fraudulent activity with that platform in particular in recent days. You can read about it in the paper or different articles. A lot of fraudulent activity, not only with that platform but others. People share their story, gain the hearts of some who decide to make a donation. 
While sharing our stories of lack may grant us a step forward financially, and this is true, it will not help us grow spiritually. And that's, that's just the honest truth. I've seen people in desperate, desperate situations have $500 given to them and it's changed not a thing in them spiritually. doesn't help. doesn't help. So we can't come to God in the midst of our financial struggles and tell Him how broke we are and hope that we can appeal to His compassion. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we say, God, I was foolish this week with my money. I need you to uh, come and help me out. I need to appeal to your compassion. And God knows our circumstances better than we do, amen? He knows our circumstances. He knows how foolish some of our purchases was. He knows our gross income. He knows your bills. He knows my bills. He knows what we spent our money on. He knows what we should have spent our money on. Why? Because it's all come from Him. Remember this morning when we prayed, our hands were empty. Why is that? Because everything that we have comes not from us, but from Him. He knows how hard you work to earn your money. He knows. And He has showed you and I both compassion by adding to our temporal wealth. If you're a believer this morning, He has elevated your standing eternally through the gospel. And that's so vitally important for us to walk out of here with this morning. No matter where you are financially, He has elevated your prosperity eternally through the gospel. The thing that the young, rich ruler couldn't afford with all his wealth has been given freely to you and I. You know that? All his wealth, the one thing he could not acquire, has been given freely to you and I. For those who have placed their hope and trust in Jesus Christ, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. What it says here, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. What do we mean by lowly? mean broke. I mean those that are poor. How do we know this? Because it's the opposite of the other end of the spectrum, those who are rich. So let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. More on that in a minute. Just as your lack of wealth gains you no privilege with regard to spiritual growth, neither does your abundance of wealth. No matter how much money you have, it cannot help you grow spiritually mature. You can't buy your way to spiritual maturity. Wealth gives you absolutely no advantage in trials. Ask anyone with any amount of money in their bank account this morning at all, you cannot buy your way out of a trial. It does not work. God can't be bought. The people that God has placed in your life to try you cannot be bought. Just as you cannot use your lack of resources as an excuse to earn mercy in a trial, so you also cannot buy your way out of it. You and I both know, we know this because we read it in verse 2 already, trials are different for each one of us. Trials are various. We have no guarantee on having the same trial again and again. All we have a guarantee of is that we will have trials. They will be various. Can't buy our way out of them. 
For a wealthy person, as opposed to the person with limited resources, you and I should know that rich people have no advantage in a trial. So, you may be thinking to yourself, as I thought to myself earlier this week, sure they do. If they have a flat tire, they can afford to just get it fixed. Well, that may not be a trial for them. Maybe the trial for them is whether or not the stockholders are going to be hurting because of a decision that they made. For some, the trial comes in the form of an unexpected hospital visit and the repercussions thereafter. For others, it may be a hit to their 401k. Trials are various for each one of us. They're different for each one of us. They may be similar in some ways, but they're different. You and I being tried may be under completely different circumstances, but no matter what in our trials, no matter what, the aim is exactly the same. The end game is exactly the same. It is equal. That you and I will be more mature, clinging tighter to the precious Savior. Clinging tighter when we go out than when we came in. That's the goal. That's the end point. A point for both before we move on. So vitally important. Look at what it says here. Now, I want to just go back for a second, if you'll excuse me. Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation. Look what it says here. And the rich in his humiliation. They're both called the boast for a reason. Because... Like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. He will pass away. We've got to look at the eternal perspective. Your life and my life are a breath. Are a breath in the scope of eternity. You will live for a long, long time. Eternity is a long, long time. And our 20, 30, 40, 60, 70, 80, 120 years in this life is short. Very short. It's the blink of an eye. Seems as though this verse is to teach only the wealthy person a lesson in perspective, but it's for everyone. Monetary wealth is temporary. We all got to understand that no matter where we find ourselves this morning... Monetary wealth is temporary. It does not last. Whether you're comfortable or uncomfortable with where you're currently living, whether you have needs or an abundance, we all have to look through this eternal perspective. Monetary wealth and physical possessions will fade away. The sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. The rich man fades away. Look at the active term. In the midst of his pursuits. Never even acquiring in life all that he set out to acquire. How much does that hurt for the athlete that's trained for the race his entire life to break a hip and no longer able to run? It goes away in the midst of pursuits. Look, it's it's not at the end. Does everyone see this? It's not at the end. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Never even get there. Just a continual pursuit, never reaching the destination. Point number three. 
No matter our circumstances, we are called to boast in the big picture of our circumstances. From an eternal perspective, this is so vitally important. So you say, how? How can we do that? How is it that we can possibly boast in the midst of our circumstances regardless where we are? Well, now comes the application of the sermon. Look at how. The lowly brother is to boast in his exultation. Let the lowly brother boast in his exultation. What does James mean by lowly brother? I already said it. It's the poor guy. It's the opposite of the rich. So we have he with an abundance of riches, she with an abundance of riches, he or she with a lack. It says we are to boast in our exaltation. What does it mean here, though? What do we mean? Well, let's look first to who we're talking to. Let the lowly, what's that word? Brother. We're talking about people who are Christians. We're talking about people who are brothers and sisters in Christ. So first and foremost, this is for believers, everyone. This is for believers. We're obviously talking first about the Christian. This is not applicable to unbelievers. It won't work. Try to take this outside the door and talk to an unbeliever and tell them that they should boast in their exultation in their meager circumstances. You will get laughed at. It's probably why idea seems to run counter to our secular culture. Unbelievers have absolutely no reason to boast in their poverty. They have none. They'll complain about it, point out the unfairness of it, but they will not glory in it. You as believers, I as a believer, are called to glory in our exaltation are called to glory in it, are called to boast in it. Let's look at the adjective lowly real quick. It's the idea of someone who is lowly in physical resources. You could render it as poor in contrast to the rich in the next verses, but the idea either way is someone with limited means. So what's the lowly brother to do? He's to boast in his exaltation. Well, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Boast about being broke? It doesn't make any sense to us. It does not fit in with the structure that society has set up. But that's looking on our circumstances with the temporal eyes today and tomorrow perspective only. We need to remember and keep this in mind with every breath that you take. With every day that you wake up of your own volition, every day that you get dressed, that's just an itsy-bitsy, tiny little dot It literally is part of that dash on our tombstone. Such a small, small portion of eternity. Regardless of our resources, we have an eternal inheritance that's blood-bought for us in Jesus Christ. An eternal inheritance. Something you're going to hold on to forever. In Christ, you have a new position where all the money in the world could not compare to what has been paid for by Jesus Christ. The poor have very little in this world to turn to in times of trial. The poor can't buy their way out of difficult circumstances. In trials, we must not depend on our lack of wealth. 
but depend on our exaltation and boast in it. Glory in the place that we have in the kingdom of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's huge. You may not be able to make your next vehicle payment. You might not. The bank may take the car. The bank may take away your house. The bank may take away your credit. You can lose all that stuff. None of it was meant to be eternal. You know what the bank cannot take away from you? The bank can't take Jesus from you. The bank cannot take away your position in the kingdom earned by the blood of Jesus Christ. The lowly brother ought to boast in his exaltation because of what he's been given for eternity. And at the same time, the richer to boast, which this kind of doesn't make any sense at all. So, okay, we get it. We understand The lowly brother should boast in his exaltation because we know he went from down here in the kingdom of God to up here as sons of the king. Daughters of the king. Princesses and princes in the kingdom of heaven. And to the rich in his humiliation, how are the rich humiliated? They're the ones that have all the status in the world, aren't they? That's not true. That's not true. You know what trials have? Trials have a wonderful leveling effect, don't they? Because no matter how much money we have, we find ourselves in the same position. I have nothing to fix this, God. It's messed up. It's come to me. It's hurtful. It's hard. And I don't have enough money to pay for it. And guess what? Both the rich and the lowly can both declare that we don't have enough money to fix it. So while we have an elevated status here in this life, we are brought down level at the foot of the cross. Though the trials are various for all, the principle is exactly the same. Just as the lowly brother is exalted because of lack, the rich are humbled because of their wealth. Why is that? Because riches gain nothing in regard to trials. The person with wealth from a temporal perspective may be able to buy things to try to satisfy themselves in this life. They may be able to live comfortably. And there's also nothing wrong, biblically, hear me, with acquiring wealth. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible never, ever, ever says there's something wrong with acquiring wealth. There is, however, a problem with believing your wealth can gain you advantage with God or advantage in trials because it won't. You can't buy maturity. Amen? You can't buy it. It's like muscles. You can't buy them. You've got to work for them. You've got to work for them. You've got to work your way through. In the end, it's all about Jesus. Because everything else is going to fade away. It's all going to go. It's all going to fade away. Regardless of our circumstances, we are to boast in our position that the gospel has brought us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the righteousness that we wear, not because of ourselves, but because of Him. We boast because we have resources through the gospel to face our trials. Because when we are facing difficult times, we're not alone. We're not alone. No matter what you're facing, you are not alone. I don't care if it's cancer. I don't care if someone is is dying on a bed right now. I don't care if it is financial troubles. Does not matter. You're not by yourself in it. Through the gospel, we have strength that we did not have before. And because of that, 
because of the riches of God's wealth and wisdom that He's able to give us to apply to our trials, we are called to brag about it. We're called to boast. Financial stature has nothing to do with what's been made available to us through the cross. Nothing. We can face trials with a level of certainty because of what we know, what we've been told, what we read they produce. Steadfastness that will lead to completeness and perfection, that will lead to spiritual maturity. We can face these things with a level of boasting because God's will is being accomplished on earth as it is where? In heaven. We need to glory in the gospel this morning. We got to glory in the gift that has been given to us. The life that was laid down for us. We need to glory in that this morning. We need to brag in that this morning. We need to boast in that this morning. It's the only thing that you and I can hold on to for all eternity. Join me as we pray. Father, this morning we glory in the gospel. We boast in the blood that was poured out for us on Calvary. We boast in the debt that was paid for us that we might stand before you today as your sons and daughters. And Lord, we lay hold of no victories of our own. But this morning, we do lay hold of the victory that we have through Jesus Christ. We lay hold of the victory that we have through circumstances that you have given us, which though we may not understand fully and completely, we are grateful for. Lord, we thank you this morning for trials which seem to kind of shake us up at times, seem to give us problems with standing. Lord, help us to be strong in you. It is in the strong name of your son, Jesus, that we ask this. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.